Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. One of the most momentous events in history happened, oh, somewhere around 3,400 years ago. It's the early date for the Exodus, when a whole people who were in bondage in desperation in the land of Egypt, uh, ruled by the pharaohs, was liberated by God and brought about in a most remarkable demonstration of divine power and majesty. This we know as the Exodus. God brought the people out of bondage and made them his own. These were the descendants of Abraham who had sojourned into the land of Egypt when Joseph was uh, uh, second in power as a ruler by God's providence and grace. And they had lived there, multiplied, prospered until their fortunes changed. We read about it at the beginning of the book of Exodus. God raises up Moses and sends him Moses, who had fled from Egypt to the wilderness of Arabia, God sends him back with a commission to lead the people out, gives him power, gives him tokens or signs, such as the staff he was carrying in his hand. And through a series of fabulous demonstrations of his power, we know these as the plagues of Egypt, God shows the world around there that the God of the Hebrews, the one who commissioned Moses with the living and true God. And he allows them to leave as a nation, opens the sea for them so that they can walk through it as dry land with water standing as wall on either side, brings them into a desert. And later when their pursuers follow after them in the sea, the water comes over them and they are drowned. But God brings the people into the desert all the way to Mount Sinai where he appears to them. And he appears to them not only for them to see the manifestation of his presence there on Mount Sinai. This is a significant historical event where the creator of the universe enters into a transaction with a people. We call this a covenant, an agreement. It is a covenant between two parties, where God is one party and Israel the other party, the people of Israel, the descendants of Jacob, whom God renamed as Israel, the great, the grandson of Abraham, who then fathers this multitude, they are the other party. And God in his grace enters into a gracious transaction with them, with the two of them, as two parties, where God will be their God. They will be a special people to him. He will watch over them, protect them, provide for them, bless them, if they will keep the terms of the deal, the covenant that he's making with them. And if you read the book of Exodus chapter 19, you will find that when the terms of the covenant was spoken out to them, all the people said, all that the Lord has commanded, we will do. The law which is really the document of the covenant between God and Israel, the law as in the, in the Bible, the law of Moses. 
This was something that Israel as a people covenanted before God to do, to perform. It was not something that says, okay, we will read it and believe it. No, it was something to be done. It was not an object of faith per se, but it was a guideline to be followed in conduct and action. So when we come to the book of Galatians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul wants to point this out for those who want to corrupt the gospel by enjoining upon believers in Jesus Christ as Savior certain terms of the law that they must also do this in addition to faith. The righteous one, the Lord had spoken through the prophet Habakkuk, shall live by faith. A relationship with God which obtains righteousness is solely by faith. Our deeds, our conduct are a manifestation of a heart that is well disposed to God and seeks to please him. Now the law itself, when we come to Galatians chapter 3 verse 12, the law itself is not an object of faith. So to read what Paul has written, but the law is not of faith, rather, the one who does them shall live by them. He's also here quoting from the law, from the book of Leviticus. The law is to be lived by, by performance, not merely by saying, oh, I believe what God said. I believe these things are true or these things are right. No, to live by them, not to have another God before them, not to make any image to honor father and mother, not to covet, not to bear false witness. And in all of the elaborations of these laws, which follow in the book of Exodus and are then further given in Leviticus and some in Numbers and then the book of Deuteronomy, these are to be obeyed. So one can not simply keep some of the laws or simply say, I believe the law. If a relationship to the law that seeks righteousness by that means it obligates them to be perfect by keeping all of the law. And if one really looks at what the, the law demands, it is already obvious that it is beyond attainment because the summary of the law already stated in the Old Testament and then repeated when, you, when it is reviewed in the Gospels goes like this. The greatest commandment is that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And the second one is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Who has ever fulfilled this? So the law is not something just to be believed, but to be kept. And no one keeps it. And therefore, by not keeping it, but you placing yourself as someone who seeks a right standing by performance of the law of God, you place yourself under the curse which comes, that cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law. This is how the Apostle Paul explains the error of turning to the law for righteousness on the part of those who have come to faith in Christ. The law is not an object of faith, but something to be done to live by. But what did Christ do? Christ did not come to put us under the law. Christ actually came to redeem us from all of the judgment that the law would pronounce upon those who are under it, those who are obligated to keep its terms, those who are parties to that covenant, and it failed to observe it. So Christ redeemed us, Galatians 3.13, from the curse of the law 
by becoming a curse for us. What Christ came to accomplish is not to place us under a law, but to liberate us from the curse of the law, because no one can be justified by the works of the law. Righteousness is given by Christ himself, his perfection imputed to us. He fulfilled the law perfectly. He loved the Lord God with all his heart. He loved fellow humans, each including us, as himself. He perfectly carried out the requirements of the law and has become our replacement as, and our substitute. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, says the Apostle Paul. And this is what it means. Christ, the Son of God and true human being, performed all of the righteous requirements of the law. He fulfilled God's righteousness. And yet, he died. He underwent a curse. When Jesus was put to death by the Romans, he was hanged on a cross. It's not hanging by the neck. Nevertheless, it is hanging, being displaced, hanging by spikes and nails driven through the body attached to a wooden frame. There is a law in the book of Deuteronomy that says if a person is hanged, they shouldn't be allowed to remain hanging past sundown. That's in Deuteronomy 21, 23. Because a person who is put to death by hanging is in a cursed state. Cursed, says the law, is everyone who is hanged on a tree. And by dying for sinners, Jesus took the place of a curse, of the curse. He was put to death, hanging on a cross. His life was given for the sake of sinners. So the righteous and perfect Son of God, who fulfilled the law, endured the curse in order to redeem those who would be under the curse of the law. Everyone who was under the old covenant and failed to keep it. Everyone who was under the covenant made at Sinai as an Israelite and failed to keep it. Every Gentile who knows the righteous requirements of the law of God in their heart about why we shouldn't lie or cheat or lust or be unfaithful or be jealous, or be hateful. We, our guilt, also was atoned for by the death of Christ. So rather than seeking the right standing before God by our own effort, by religious works and regulations, what we simply need to do is to come to God through Christ. Life is imputed, given, granted to those who come to God by faith. Christ is the means of that life. Christ redeemed those who are under the law, under its curse, by becoming a curse himself, although he is a source of blessing. So he concludes then this section, the Apostle Paul does in Galatians 3, by saying, so Christ became a curse for us, so that, in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Jesus is the means of blessing. God had a purpose of blessing all the families of the earth through Abraham. He said, in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. 
We may imagine that all the families of the earth would enter into blessing in the same way that Abraham entered into the blessing because Abraham believed God and God counted that for him as righteousness. So when all the families of the earth, various nations should come into a similar blessing of God, they come in the same manner and they come through Abraham because the great descendant of Abraham, the Messiah, the seed of Abraham, the descendant of Abraham, he is the means whereby we are granted righteousness by God. He has taken the curse away from us. He has borne our guilt. He has paid our debt. He, the righteous one, has taken the place of the guilty. He who knew no sin, God made to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The one who did not know sin was made sin. My guilt, the guilt of everyone who turns to Christ, was placed by God. God counted our guilt to be his when he died in our place on the cross. So Christ became the curse so that the righteousness or the blessing of Abraham would come to us through Christ. In Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, in fulfillment of the great promise of God, that in Abraham all the families of the earth will be blessed, now comes to us through the great descendant of Abraham, the Lord Jesus Christ. Even the Old Testament had pictured this when Abraham was to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice. The great descendant of Abraham becomes a sacrifice, and following that, is when God says to Abraham, in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Christ is the means of life, salvation, not our works, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, God has saved us. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit Emmaus.edu slash partner.